What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Dub Nation. Dub Nation. Time for the real and inside story on Warriors basketball. Curry sidestep, Curry drive, Curry flip. Curry good! This is Just Dubs with John Dickinson. We want to keep this show as interactive as possible. It's instant reaction. It's hearing from the fans. It's going inside the locker room. On KNBR 104.5 and 6.8. Streaming live at twitch.tv slash leader. Welcome in, John Dickinson, KMBR, the sports leader. It's Just Dubs, the Just Dubs podcast, the debut edition here for the sports leader. And uh, going to be talking all things Golden State Warriors basketball here as uh, the season is underway. And uh, much like our Dubs OT show, which airs following each and every game here on KMBR, the sports leader. We're going to be talking all things Warriors basketball. Like to keep the show as interactive as possible. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be available uh, come January on Saturday mornings on the radio. And so this is going to be kind of a multifaceted platform uh, for the Just Dubs podcast and Saturday show uh, that we're really looking forward to. An extension of Dubs OT again after each and every game and, and just getting into more depth about Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a pleasure to be joined by the great Greg Silver, getting some mic time here, getting some face time here uh, for those on YouTube. And he's going to be joining me for each and every one of these podcasts and he's been on the show that we do after the games and he's going to be a major part of the Saturday show once it airs in January. So Greg, first of all, I, I just want to welcome you in and and just you know say it's been a pleasure working with you here through these last six games since I came over to, to KNBR and I think we're doing big things in our Warriors coverage and just continuing to make things bigger and bigger. And, and I'm, I'm glad to have you a, a part of the team and glad to be a part of the team that you had already been a part of. Well, JD, it's good to see you as well. We've spent a lot of time working together, talking together, and I'm glad that we're finally getting to do this. And we, uh, we've lived through a lot with the Warriors in the recent weeks. It's felt like an eternity, even though it's been about six Dubs OT shows. So to be able to add another show and get to do things on Saturday and a little different where we can do more of a look at the week kind of recap sentiment to the show as opposed to not knowing exactly what we're going to do because we're going live minutes after the final tip. I'm just thrilled to get some variety and um, what a time in Warriors history to be starting this, huh? Yeah, you know, it really is. Uh, might be the beginning of the end, or or maybe we're along, farther along than people want to admit as far as toward the end. But uh, as we sit here and, and record this, and again, no holds barred. This, this is going to be at least a weekly podcast. It's going to be at least a weekly show come January on the Sports Leader. But we're going to bust these out. Really, whenever we see fit, if something breaks and it's on a night where there isn't a game, then we're going to jump on and, and have the ability 
to go live, to have the ability to crank something out uh, in uh, emergency format to, to get the people uh, all of the great Warriors content that they crave. So it, it's going to be multifaceted and it's really just a whole lot of freedom to do whatever we want. I know I'm going to be heading to a lot of Warriors practices once we hit January and kind of get through the, the holiday season as things start to, to really gear up and, and the NBA season becomes in more full focus. So we'll have opportunities for player and coach interviews, which is going to be just tremendous. Uh, and, you know, for this podcast, wanted to keep it as simple as possible, really, just based on the fact that we've got a whole season, at least a quarter of a season to, to kind of react to. And yeah, there's been a lot just in the three weeks, basically, that, that we've been working together, I guess, closer to two, really. Uh, but so, I mean, this team's 10 and 14 as we kind of dive right into it, 10 and 14. They're struggling on the road now after a great start away from Chase Center. Draymond Green is out. There's lineup changes already being made uh, and just kind of a, a cloak of uncertainty, Greg, surrounding this team as as we dive full bore into our, our new and improved Warriors coverage here on the Sports Leader. I mean, yeah, what's crazy about this is it feels like it's been two separate lifetimes and we're, like you said, a quarter through the season. Those first nine games, they went six and three. I know everyone mentions the six and two start, but I'm actually going to tack on that loss in Denver to the good vibes kind of part of it because they were without Draymond Green that time. It was a good loss. That was for a it was the rare rebound. good yeah, loss. It was a good loss. It's a really good loss. You know, it came down to a... Steph Curry left-handed floater that didn't quite go that would have probably sent the game to overtime. And so uh, since then, it's been a whole lot of struggle, a whole lot of uphill battling. The starters have not had the kind of effectiveness that we've seen ever, even last year, which was kind of talked about as the year we don't ever go back to and talk about and refer to and we're moved past that. Well, the starters were pretty good. It was the bench that was having problems. And now it's the second unit that's injecting life into a team that is digging these big holes for themselves because the starters are not producing. And it's nice to see some of these young guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and Brandon Pajemski have really nice starts to the season. But it's tough to see the inconsistencies of an aging Clay Thompson who uh, had a good game last night in, uh, with his 30 points, finally kind of popped off in L.A. But then you have Andrew Wiggins, who hasn't had an injury history and was an all-star starter two seasons ago and a great player throughout the 2022 playoffs. And I don't really know what's happened to him. I don't think anyone really has a good answer for it. No, and and it it really is a case of how did we get here, right? And you mentioned the six and two, and I think it's fair to to group in the the Denver game as far as the 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 open to the season and the six and three start overall. And look, things were going not completely according to plan, but I think the baseline for what the Warriors believed that their team would be coming into this season was there in in the first nine games, and and it was there even though. Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins were showing early signs of having difficult seasons, even though Draymond Green had missed a couple of games due to the, the ankle injury that he sustained right before training camp and, and the one game against the Nuggets due to the, the personal reasons. So all of that being said, the Warriors had a revamped rotation. 
they had a, a belief that Chris Paul was going to be coming off the bench and, and that they knew Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney were going to be as the five-man group that was among the best or the best statistically in the NBA a year ago. They felt they had that as a foundation. They had Chris Paul anchoring a bench that was also going to be uh, adding Dario Saric with Gary Payton the second to, uh, to really come up with a formidable top eight. And then you pepper in Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, nine and 10 with Brandon Pajemski and maybe Trace Jackson Davis waiting in the wings as the 11th and, and 12th men that, that we're going to get opportunities, but we're going to get opportunities as other players maybe needed a break or, you know, found themselves uh, on the injured re- injury report. Uh, but so there was an order to what I think the Warriors were trying to do in, in the first eight, nine games of the season. Everything really started to go awry when Draymond Green, and it, it it's tough to make him the focal point of this whole thing off the jump because, you know, the overarching theme, Greg, has been, it, it's been Draymond Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins in their own ways, and I think even Kevon Looney a little bit, just not playing up to the level that the Warriors were intending on demanding that they play if this team was going to be the best version of themselves. So Wiggins and Clay were kind of already down the road of not being what they needed to be and certainly not what they'd been the last couple of years. But then Draymond and, and, and Donovan Mitchell, this thing really uh, coming off of that road trip, with Draymond getting ejected from that game, the Warriors lose. They end up losing to Minnesota. And then all hell breaks loose. As Steph Curry goes down. All hell breaks loose in the game where Draymond and Rudy Gobert mix it up. Jaden McDaniels and Klay Thompson mix it up. The Warriors were surviving, Greg, up until that point. Some struggles. A couple of back-to-back bad games from Clay. He was frustrated. That led to the incident with Jaden McDaniels, which led to the second incident in a matter of days with Draymond Green. Steph Curry suddenly was injured. Andrew Wiggins was nowhere to be found. And this thing just flipped fast, but it really flipped that weekend that they played Cleveland and Minnesota. And then with that next Minnesota game that the Warriors didn't win during the melee. And they've been fighting an uphill climb really for the last five, six weeks. Well, we are going to have a lot of fun with numbers as the year goes along and perhaps uh, might not always be so fun with the way things are trending. But I want to have some fun with words for a second here, because leading up to the season, I went on a couple of shows, talked with a lot of other fans and media members. And one of the things that I kept mentioning is that you would hear the same words over and over about uh, cohesion, connectivity, High IQ basketball, I know that's not one word, a little Charles Barkley there for me, but uh, now there's one word that's really sticking out, and you just alluded to it in that very quick downfall, which is fragility. This building is very fragile. We've seen Clay Thompson have some iffy exchanges with reporters about questions of if he's going to get benched. Draymond Green is not available, and again, I don't want to make it the focal point like you just said, but... What's really tough about this Draymond thing is he is such a unique player, not just to the Warriors play style, but to the modern NBA. So for a team that's aging and has little margin of error, for him to not be out there for extended stretches of time over things that 
he could theoretically control and actions that take place in other games, that's a major blow to the team because they last night couldn't buy a stop against the Clippers in a game where all in all, they didn't play terrible. Well, it's been different. Th- it, it, it's been a lot of different things. There's been a few things that have been the same. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing that the Warriors were doing pretty well through the first nine games, th- they weren't fouling as much and they weren't turning the ball over as much. And then everything kind of snowballed right in that mid-November little stretch where Draymond gets ejected. Clay had a couple of bad games, which I think just the frustration mounted. And then Draymond wound up suspended. Steph Curry winds up out due to injury for a couple of games. And then all of a sudden, uh, the defense is horrendous without Draymond Green, which I think does not bode well for this team right now as they are going to play an indefinite amount of games without Draymond Green. Uh, And so... It really is, you know, there's just a lot of different things that continue to, to go wrong in, in, in many different ways for the Warriors. And they they just they needed everything to be on schedule, I feel like, this year for them to be at their best. And it started off pretty well on schedule. And then it went completely off the rails. And now I think it's gone off the rails more than anybody could have possibly expected because the reality is, Greg, and I don't know what your take is on it, but this feels to me an awful lot like last year. And you know, it, both with the record, and I, I went and back and looked, uh, the latest point that the Warriors were three games under 500, they were four games under 500 last year when they were three and seven. That was their low point. And the only time all year that they were four under 500 w- was when they were three and seven. They were, and I, I had it here, and I'm gonna let me dig it up real quick. I think I still have it on my screen from earlier. Yeah, I was looking at they were right, it was right around this time when Stephen Curry went down in Indiana. In fact, I think it was a year ago, a year ago yesterday, actually, that Steph Curry went down in Indiana and was gonna miss some time. They were 15 and 18 on December 21st. They they had just gotten blown out at the end of that road trip. They, they had a long road trip right before the holidays and they won one game uh, among Milwaukee and Indiana, Philly, Toronto. They played the Knicks and Nets on back-to-back games, lost them both. They were 15 and 18. And that was the lowest point that the Warriors were that late in the season. They, they ended up working their way back to at over 500 right around New Year's. And they were either basically two games over two, three, two games over two games under all the way until March and then made the little push at the very end of the season to end up six games over, which was their, their high water mark. What I'm getting at here, Greg is it feels like last year in terms of the record. It feels like last year in terms of the vibes. It feels like last year in terms of to use your term fragility to keep it on track. Like the Warriors all year last year were teetering on a breaking point that never came. I think they're teetering on a breaking point right now and they're not going to have Draymond Green and things really, despite the 30 point game that Clay had against the Clippers, it's not getting better for him on a consistent basis. Andrew Wiggins goes to the bench and is still maybe he played harder, but he didn't play better uh, than he had been playing against the Clippers. So you've got young players getting opportunities and that's nice, 
but it's also not enough to really matter in terms of wins and losses. And then when you start, I think at that point, everything starts to creep in as, as far as the big picture. You've got Steph kicking chairs. You've got who knows when Draymond's coming back. Who knows when Clay Thompson's going to be pissed off again. Like it's just, there's just a lot going on here surrounding this team. And unfortunately, they're closer to the bottom of the Western Conference right now than they are to be in a top four team, which is another thing that this this team's going to have to deal with moving forward. I mean, if we're going to compare it to last year, there are things that are similar and there are things that are different, of course. But the big similarity is what you just alluded to, J.D., in that they're always floating around 500 and they're teetering on this breaking point that never really came. What it is is exhausting. And I think we can all say that as people who are just following the team and keeping up with the team, I can't imagine being the ones who have to go out there and play and then be under the spotlight and then have to answer the same questions over and over and over and over again when it feels like you kind of got over a hurdle that you had last year and it came right back to haunt you. And now they're four games under 500. They need many, many things to go right. And you can spin it in two different ways. There's the way of, they're actually not that far off on a lot of these games. I think they lost by a combined seven points in those four road games. You know, you know what I'm going to, I'm going to jump in real quick. I'm not going to, yeah. the one, the one thing I will say on that and, and I, cause I'm already hearing it and you're not wrong for saying it, but you know what my first thought is when you start to go down that road about close games and everything, I, I start thinking to myself, Greg, this is what bad teams say. This is what like bad teams are always You're absolutely right. A You're game, absolutely a, right. A play away, or if this doesn't happen, or if that player wasn't out, or if and and it just it that's what bad teams say. They bad teams also flip, rearrange the deck chairs and change their starting lineup all the time and bench you know veteran players that aren't playing well for younger players and maybe maybe that gets the fans excited but it just it it becomes in a lot of ways a different version of the same and i feel like the warriors right now in a bunch of different ways are a different version of the same no oh, absolutely and i'm so glad you jumped in because that's exactly where i was going with well that's one way you can spin it but the other way you can spin it is you're not closing games whether you have a lead or whether you're trying to fight your way back and come back do you want to guess what the average margin for the warriors through three quarters is uh okay the average margin through three quarters i would guess the warriors are probably i don't know plus six plus plus so six seven it, it is it's only plus 1.2 but oh, for a team okay. that's 10 and four to be in the positive still okay. says something. The fourth quarter, they are finding ways to not okay. get it done. And over the course of this core and this dynasty, we have seen the Warriors win so many games that they had no business winning and no business even making a contest again. So they went from the team that you couldn't kill now to the team that can't put anybody away. And I think for a lot of fans and followers, that is a huge shock of a transition. What What's the fourth quarter? Because it, it's yeah, I, I'm I'm usually pretty good at math, but yeah, that was a that was an overshoot. There's no way they'd have to be a lot worse in fourth quarters to make up for for being that high. What, what so what's the if there you said they're what plus what in the first three quarters they're plus what they're plus uh, they one are plus one point two and plus then, one, okay so plus so they're basically minus one point two in the other in the other quarter it's actually 0.9 uh so i don't okay. know exactly how it all worked out but that is 22nd okay. in the league 
Gotcha. I was looking yeah. at them as being an even like just after last night, I was looking at them having an even point differential. Uh, it, it, you know, at one, basically one fifteen and a half, one fifteen and a half. But, but regardless, yeah, they, I mean, we can go through the games and I mean, just recently here on the road, the Sacramento game, the first Clippers game, uh, the game in Oklahoma city. I mean, the Warriors have just you know, missed. They lose the home game to Oklahoma city when Holmgren hits the three and then they go into overtime and, and Shea Gilgis Alexander puts them away. Really Shea Gilgis Alexander's put them away in two overtimes uh, on the, the Holmgren games where they've messed up the foul in, in two different ways. So you're not ever going to win all of the close games. My, my general rule is, and again, I hate, I hate going down this road, Greg, because you know, the, again, this is another one of the things that like bad teams do and fans of bad teams do and the media that covers bad teams that they do is they start saying, well, all these games, you, you know, they, they should have won six games. They should have won 10 games. I usually will, will take that number and divide it by two. And, and that's the number where I'll give. So if you want to say six, if you want to say there's been five or six I would say, okay, well, that really means there's probably been three because the Warriors weren't going to go six and zero, oh, and all. and if they did go six and zero, oh, that would be an outlier the other way. That isn't a true indicator of of really the the team that they are. Uh, I think you know a, a decent example of that last year, and and this is not shade to my to my friends in in in, in my hometown of Sacramento. The Kings' record last year was a little bit skewed by their propensity to win close games they didn't lose a single game that was decided by one point in the regular the first game the the kings last year won every single one point game until game four when harrison barnes missed the three uh that would have beat the warriors to put it that was the first time all year that sacramento lost a one point game and did (laughs) they lose any overtime games i i know at uh, one point they had in i don't know if it ended up happening yeah, no, I, I'm trying to, I, I want to say they maybe did to Minnesota at, at, at one oh, point. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I want to say maybe they did. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. The, teams can have their records be a little bit inflated because of the propensity to win close games or deflated based on the fact that you're you're losing the close games. And so... Uh, the point that I was originally making is if you're going to, if you're going to play, if you're going to claim six or eight games, really divide it by two. So for the purposes of this conversation, let's say it's six games that you think the Warriors should have won, right? They go into that should have won. Well, even if it's three, if you do the divide by two exercise, we're talking about a team that's, that's 13 and 11 instead of 10 and 14. And that's the difference between being on the outside looking in and being, let's say, tied for ninth or tenth in the in the play-in tournament, and and look, if the Warriors were thirteen and eleven right now, we'd be having a completely different conversation. Maybe we wouldn't be calling them title contenders, but it would be all right. They're treading water through some adversity until they can get whole again, and then they'll push forward, right? Or at least that's the goal. Right now, it's just how the hell can this team get back to five hundred as quickly as possible? And then get everybody back, and then so it just it, it it really is a mess that they've created with their poor play, and I'm not sure how they find their way out of it in in short order. The other thing, when you get into the fragility, you're one injury away from being in a bad. Like, what if you get to ten and fourteen, 
And then, like happened last year at this time, Steph Curry has to miss a month or th- you know four weeks. I think he basically missed exactly four weeks. If Steph Curry had to miss four weeks right now, I mean, I I shudder to think. I mean, if if Steph Curry had to miss four weeks right now, I mean, what are, are we talking about? Packing it in for this Warriors team. I mean that. So that that's the position you paint yourself in when you don't maximize being relatively healthy and you can't finish these close games and you're forced to make all these lineup changes and adjustments. Yeah, and the, speaking of health, there was a Suns game they just had with no Kevin Durant and last night Clippers with no Paul George. Mm. So, yeah, Draymond Green was missing, at least for last night and you know the last quarter and a half of the Suns game. But you have to take advantage of opportunities that are in front of you. And I always say that about teams with championship aspirations. And I think this is looking back now, other people might start appreciating it a little bit more. But I think that in 2022, the fact that the Warriors were able to win a title after all they went through between 2019 and 2022, not just become a good team again, but win a title was so incredibly rare and ridiculous And we're seeing now that you need a lot of things to go right and break your way. And the Warriors have not had a lot of things break their way. And that's not me making an excuse for them. But it just goes to show that they've always had flaws that they could cover up. The turnovers especially has never – I don't think they've ever not been in the bottom third under Steve Kerr. And it makes sense. They play faster. They have more passes. It's going to happen. Um yeah, it's just be twenty second and not thirtieth. Be twenty second yes. and not thirtieth, and you're and you're probably okay as long as you're you know as long as you're playing well in other areas. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're absolutely right. Are you ready for hard hitting observations? She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Guys, not everything is forty chess. Why can't we just laugh? Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. We all know I'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to Facts by Tom McDonald. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit JustCapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. All right, it's our Just Dubs podcast for KMBR, the sports leader. It's John Dickinson, joined by Greg Silver. This is the debut edition of this podcast, and it's going to morph its way into a radio show, which is going to start, for those of you that have followed me uh, along uh, the the years uh, in my previous life, as I like to say, my previous radio life, uh, a lot of success doing a, a Saturday show uh, in another place. And uh, so we're bringing it to the sports leader in the beginning of 2024. Couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, that program is going to be called Just Dubs. And this podcast is equally, they're both under the Just Dubs 
header. So the ability to go live and do a podcast on any off night or afternoon or, or anytime there's breaking news, uh, we're going to have the ability to do that. Uh, love having Greg uh, alongside for this. Greg's doing an unbelievable job behind the scenes uh, producing and engineering the Dubs OT shows that you hear following each and every Warriors game. And so, yeah, he gets an opportunity to, to crack the mic and uh, get his get his mug on the screen a little bit. And uh, as we chop it up and, and talk Warriors basketball for KMBR, the sports leader, and uh, couldn't be happier. So, yeah, we're going to be dropping these at least once a week. And that's at least once a week in addition to the Saturday show, which is going to debut coming up uh, at some point uh, in early January. So really looking forward to that. A lot of different uh, things to get into, just kind of setting the table really here for the last 25 minutes or so as far as this Warrior season and and where things got off the rails and how they get it back. Because, uh, you know, the one thing that can't happen is is some kind of injury to Steph Curry. So we don't even, let's not even go down that road because, I mean, you know, it's the old, we'll, it's the old. It's not. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. If there we if, go. It, if it comes to that point, uh, but Steve Kerr has made some changes. Uh, I do think we need to to get into Draymond Green a, a little bit more in in depth as well because the whole tenor of this suspension and the indefinite nature and really the tone uh, about just the way it's been discussed has been really less disciplinary sounding and more personal mental health, uh, you know, get a guy right, get a guy the, the, the help that he needs to, to change his life, really more of a support uh, type of a, a deal. And that's come from the league office and from the Warriors and apparently even reportedly from, from Draymond's camp as the three all kind of got together and determined how things were, were going to be set up for this. So it really... It's interesting because I think we were all looking for the disciplinary component to the suspension and how long it was going to be. And really the, the whole tone of it has been more about reflection and personal improvement. And we obviously haven't heard from, from Draymond since the, the night of the incident when he apologized. And, and who knows, maybe uh, it hasn't, you know, Draymond has been pretty defiant to changing the things that have made him successful. And he's been really blunt in saying so over the years. Maybe this incident, I'll believe it when I see it and it's on him to prove it, but maybe this incident did change a little bit of his tone, which has allowed the whole overarching tone to change with respect to yes you're out and you're out indefinitely and it's going to be significant probably at least 10 games or or more but you're going to get the help you need from all these different angles to where this is hopefully the last time we're ever talking about Draymond being in in this type of a position at least as frequently as he's been in this type of position I mean what's so alarming and you know we've had so many great people give their insights on this the Murph and Marcus show Took some great callers who had interesting perspectives. One of them was uh, had some military trauma and went to anger management and talked about that experience. And we don't know if Draymond Green is specifically going to anger management. This podcast is not here to psychoanalyze him or speculate on anything that we don't know. 
But no, but I, I will say I'll, I'll say this. I've I have heard without specifics that that was a step that that privately he would you know had been going through. Just to just a quick little tip in on that. Um, not yeah. again. Not something that I, I think was necessarily wanted to be you know gotten into great detail about. But my understanding was that that had been a step. So maybe it's a different type of a program or more enhanced or taken more seriously or whatever it is. But I do think some level of counseling and talking to somebody is probably the best way to, to you know, out, outside of sports and outside of maybe your family had been going on uh, w- with Draymond. Yeah, and there were two perspectives that we heard yesterday, both of which kind of made me think a little bit. Uh, one, of course, was Steve Kerr before the game, and we played some of that sound last night on Dubs OT, where he said that the Draymond of the last year and a half is not the same Draymond that people labeled as a dirty player in the other decade of his career, where he had the high step on LeBron that got him suspended, or arguing with the referees and playing with a lot of emotional fervor and, and passion, uh, punching Jordan Poole, stomping on Sabonis, slapping Yusuf Nurkic on you know while trying to sell a foul, and then choking Rudy Gobert. Those were all incidents a little bit more extreme and violent than you'd ever want to see on a basketball court. But then we also had our good friend Adam Copeland talk about Draymond Green on the Tolbert and Cope show yesterday, and he was a little bit more uh, sympathetic to Draymond and kind of standing up for him in the sense of, he doesn't understand what the big this brother needs help label that is going around in the sense that he is a father, he is a husband, uh, he has not ever been arrested, he hasn't been showing up with substance abuse or any common problems that you might think of outside of basketball and was kind of just making the argument that yes, maybe it's a little excessive by the standard of a game of basketball what he is doing, but I think now there's been a little bit of a talk that's kind of blown up as Draymond being kind of this this severely ill person that needs some help. And I think it's good that he's going to get the work uh, to try to figure out how to you know channel some of his basketball emotion in a better way on the court. But what do you make of that Adam Copeland bit about uh, maybe this Draymond thing being blown up a little bit too much just because a lot of people root for a basketball team. Well, look, I I think first of all the the things that that Cope said about you know his his character in in the manner of you know family man and father and and those kind of, I mean all of that is is true. I mean that you know he hasn't had problems uh you know in in those areas or anything like that. But but the the, the one thing I will say is just because it hasn't necessarily become public doesn't mean that there aren't issues that that you know may certainly don't broach the you know illegal you know category or anything like that i'm not i'm not going down that road but but you know everybody has things that they're going through that that they need to deal with to become better people or to be more effective in in their work environment and so uh i i do think there had to be some kind of a different tone i mean i i think you know the whole harsh disciplinary tone thing wasn't working. So I, I do feel like whether it was a concoction of the league and Draymond and, and the team to try and have this thing take on a little bit of a, a different sentiment, uh, I, I do think it's 
you know, I, I, I'd rather be, I'd rather have that be the conversation, honestly. And again, it doesn't mean that he's some evil person or anything like that. It doesn't mean that he's a criminal or like nobody, nobody's saying that. Uh, it, it, but to acknowledge that there are some things maybe in, maybe in his personal life that have bled over into his basketball life and impacted him to where he just carries himself in a, in a less controlled manner. Um, I, I think that's, I don't know. I think that's a better tone to this thing than just I'm Draymond. I'm always going to be Draymond. Nobody can stop me from being Draymond. It's the reason I've been successful and you know I, I ain't changing for anybody like and and punish me and and then we'll all argue about whether I was punished too much or not and you know so I just I don't know I I think that this tone I don't want to call it softer but it's just it feels a little more human there there feels like there's a little more yeah, human definitely. element to it as opposed to basketball player breaks the rule and needs to be punished like that that part of it is and look I mean he's done some things where that's needed to happen but you know, to not to to at least start having a conversation about if there are other things going on in his life that maybe are, are causing some of this. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think that's a bad thing because the way that it's been discussed before hasn't worked. So if this if this, this leads down the path of of working, then great. And, and, and that's, you know, that's what is needed because here's the deal. The Warriors still need Draymond Green. You know, Steve Kerr has said it. Mike Dunleavy Jr. said it at, at the press conference that, that he had the availability in L.A. The, you know, when the suspension, the day after suspension went down. And, you know, he said it. It's he's been Draymond's been fine when he's played. He just has had too many instances where he hasn't made himself available. And that's what's hurt the team. Like he's. His problem is not the Clay Thompson or the Andrew Wiggins problem. His problem is that he can't uh, be on the court consistently enough because he keeps doing these things that that take him away from his teammates and, and let the team down. So finding that balance of and and I don't want to oversimplify. It. I don't know that it's just anger management. I don't know if there's something else going on in his personal life, whether it's a family issue and it's none of our business. Whether it's a uh, you know, alcohol issue or or whatever it is again. And I'm not saying that's what it is or reporting that that's what it is. Cause I don't know that that's what it is, but I'm just run through the different issues that somebody may have. If it is one of those things, then you know, by all means try to tackle it and try to overcome it and, and try to use that to become you know, a, a better person and thus a, a better teammate and player. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what you said about it being a little bit more of a human approach because agree with it or not, like Draymond or not, we can all kind of come to a consensus here that whatever has been done to discipline Draymond in the past clearly has not changed anything. And the fact that he had two instances of such severity in a really short time crunch is not good. I mean, you were almost working here at KMBR when he was choking Rudy Gobert JD. And then what we got through four Dubs OT shows by the time he slapped Yusuf Nurkic on trying to sell the foul. So yes, it feels like it's been a long season already, but this is uh it, it's happened quickly. And I think you see the NBA in general too, the way they will crack down on a second time or repeat offenses, because 
people love to point to the John ja Morant suspension from uh, last year that he's serving right now. And it's not that John ja Morant did something illegal in possessing a gun and flashing it on Instagram Live. It's that he was caught for it. He had to meet with the NBA, serve a mini suspension. They clearly were not about that uh, with him being you know, a big brand of the future of the league. And then not that long after he's doing it again online. And so it's not that he broke the law. It's not that he did something violent with that gun, but it's, Hey, you need to understand what we are asking from you and the standards that we have set. I think Adam Silver by and large has done a really good job as the commissioner of the league in terms of putting the hammer down. Like, now, let's not forget that he banned Donald Sterling for life when he was like a couple of months on the job. Um, I mean, that was a pretty uh, big start to his tenure. But um, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I stand with the Draymond thing. And I, I agree that taking a different approach might perhaps help him in some way. Uh, and I don't know when we're going to see him next for the Warriors and what this team's record is going to be at the time and if it's going to be too late to turn it around. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I had the best time. It was challenging, but it was like the showrunners. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're not. This was a dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. And if it wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, it was. Hey, it was fine. Because I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Yeah, and and like, look, Mike Dunleavy Jr. said they're committed to him. I mean, they just signed him to a four-year contract. So, I mean, he's not going anywhere, per se, I mean, at this point. And, and look, I don't think, you know, from a basketball standpoint, when you look around the roster, he's in many ways the least of the problems from a basketball standpoint. Uh, so I, I think, you know, and, and Steph, obviously, Steph Curry wanted him to, to be back as he wanted all of these guys to, to come back. And so maybe that's where we go next, because, uh, I mean, you know, Steph, he's, he's kicking chairs. He's, I, I thought he said all the right things as far as Draymond, you know, very much in line with what Mike Dunleavy Jr. said, what Joe Dumars from the league office said, what Steve Kerr had said. Uh, in the aftermath of of the indefinite suspension announcement. And so, but Steph's been frustrated. And the thing that I've wondered about Steph lately, Greg, is he coming to the realization that what he wanted in the summer, this reunion of Coach Kerr, and, and they wanted Bob Myers back, although Bob decided to leave, but this reunion of Steve Kerr along with Clay and Draymond for one more year and, and re-signing Draymond for, for three more beyond this year because that's what needed to be done to keep him around. It, does he does Steph Curry regret it right now, I guess is the question. Or is Steph Curry content? And I sensed a little acceptance in some of the cuts we played last night on on the, the Dubs OT show. A little bit of acceptance in that this isn't going to necessarily like maybe he understands. All right, this team might not be a title contender, but I'm going to have to just roll with the guys we've got and try to bring the young guys along. And then we reevaluate coming up in 25 games or reevaluate in the off season again and, and make some, some of the more dramatic decisions that may have to be made. Uh, I, I guess he's trying not to panic. And I feel like 
everybody with the Warriors right now is really trying to will positivity into existence by just speaking about it constantly. But uh, I don't know where, where do you think Steph's at right now? Because he is as impactful and important a decision maker in all of this as Joe Lacob or Bob Myers when he was still around or Mike Dunleavy Jr. or, or Steve Kerr. Steph carries that weight as the player that that really is uh, you know at the forefront for for everything turning around for this Warriors organization. Absolutely. This is a heavy and multi-layered question that you just put out for me, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about the step element of it because he is the most influential person in that building. By all accounts, everybody loves him on the court as well as off the court. And as far as superstars go in the NBA, he's not going to be overly demanding besides one thing, which is the ability to want to compete for championships. That's kind of always been who Steph Curry is throughout his entire career. As far as if he regrets the decisions, I think regret is a strong word, and I'm not going to put that label on where Steph Curry is at. But is he content? No. How could you be content if you have the competitive fire of someone like a Steph Curry? I know he can say all the right things in the media sometimes and kind of be a little bit boring as superstars are coached to be, uh, you know, when you're just kind of speaking to reporter after reporter or uh, people around the game of basketball. But the dude's a killer inside. He, there was no question about it. The baby face assassin is what they call him. And for good reason, he cannot be content with what's going on. However, the Warriors, I think, are stuck with what they are, at least for this season. Could they make a trade at the, ted, uh, at the deadline? Sure. But let's be realistic about this. Mm. You kind of kill the two-track plan with Jordan Poole and trading him away. You get rid of James Wiseman last year, and now you still got Kaminga and Moody that you're holding on to, and they've shown some nice flashes. Pajemski seems to be like a really good draft pick. Trace Jackson Davis, we'll see. Still very early on. What is the trade value of Clay Thompson right now, who had two of the worst injuries possible and is getting up there in age? What is the trade value of Andrew Wiggins, who has gone from all-star starter to can't even have him on the court in important moments? And what is the trade value of a Draymond Green who is hurting his own team more than he is helping them at the moment? So it's so easy for fans to go, oh, trade this, trade that. Chris Paul, you can get rid of that contract after this year, but I think you're stuck with him for the year. You could, yeah, I mean, you could get rid of Chris. But you, you look. I don't think they're looking at at Clay Thompson or, or Draymond Green right now, uh, and and I don't think they're looking at Draymond Green at all uh, after they had just signed him to the to the deal that they signed him to. I think that's why they came out so adamantly supportive of him, and, and you know, and not combative. I mean, I think that you know, if you come out combative when you still have three and a half plus years on a on a contract, and and things can get you know, pretty screwy pretty quickly. So I, I think you're not looking at the big three. Uh, uh, it, to me, what it, what it boils down to is Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins. And, and I, and I hear you, I mean, Chris Paul's value is the $30 million that you can take back in a trade. And then the team that acquires him can waive him for zero in the off season. So that, that's, that is a chip that can be played at any point. That that can be played in February before the the deadline on on February eighth. That can be played, 
in the off season as well, because it, it does have that date where you could, you know, you could trade him basically. And then the other team can waive him, and, and the 30 million will come off the books. The question though, is do the Warriors want to take back a $30 million player that maybe has more years left on the deal as opposed to just saving the money. Now just saving the money gets you under luxury tax aprons and all that, but just saving the money doesn't mean you're, that doesn't mean you have that money to spend anymore. And the Warriors have, because of the, their cap and the luxury tax and all of that. So, so your only chance to use that $30 million, if you're, if you want to, and you feel you could afford to, it makes financial sense to do it as an organization is by trading Chris Paul for another player or for a group of players that add up to within enough of, you know, the, the, where the contract has to be as far as the, the 30 million that it used to be, I think within 10%, I think that number's changed a little bit with the, with the new collective bargaining agreement, but it doesn't have to be 30 for 30, but it's gotta be, I think within 20, you know, somebody within 26 to about 32 or 33 million dollars. So, uh, in, in order to, to make that, that work. So I think you look at that and, and again, I think the next 15 to 20 games determine it. I think you look at Wiggins, not a lot of, but, but it's not those two players that you're going to get anything for. And, and here's the thing I was doing the show with Greg Papa today on, on the sports leader I was sitting in for Lund and it's not, Chris Paul and his contract or Andrew Wiggins, it's do you start looking to attach those two to some of the younger players to bring in veteran players or more prime veteran players that are better fits around the big three to try and help hold them up. That that's what it becomes. And I don't know what the, you know, I don't know that because of the value of those players that I just mentioned that it, it's, it's not just Chris Paul and it's not just, Wiggins, it's you know, is right. Kaminga attached to one of them? Is Moody and Pajemski attached to a couple of them? Do you look at it? It's that's the 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 thought. You know, do, does Looney put in somewhere? Does you know GP two who they love? Obviously, it's do you really get creative in that way to change the complexion of of your team moving forward? And and that's where I think uh, you know the fixes come in in terms of how much do you believe in what we've seen recently from, from some of the younger players and also, and this is where the Warriors have to figure it out, Greg, how do they evaluate and assess the ceiling of those players? Like it's one thing to say, Hey, Kaminga, the last three or four games has been a really good role player, right? Like, but for the most part, he's been inconsistent when he's been asked to do that. That's one part. And defensively. So you, yeah. So you have to. Yeah, exactly. So you have to. I mean, Kaminga in a lot of ways has been one dimensional. He's been scoring and attacking the basket, but defensively struggling. And, and you know, even so, in some ways, defensively struggling more than he's ever struggled, actually. Like, I, I, I you can almost make the case Kaminga's defense is getting worse as he's as he's getting older in, in his career, which is obviously not a good thing. But that, that that's not that, that's not the point of, of where I'm going with this. The yeah. point is. Kaminga's played pretty well of late, yeah. And 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 Kerr's put him in the starting lineup. Moody's been who Moody is, solid, steady. Pajemski has brought an infusion of hustle and rebounding and ball movement, and you know a, a, a lot of nights he's made shots. He didn't make shots against the Clippers, but that was an off night. No, no big deal. The the question though is, 
do you are you good enough if you keep those guys around to be role players in other areas versus do you think hanging on to them for the next two or three years means you've got a core or are those guys at best all just going to be role players? And if they're all just going to be role players, then I think, and again, this is what the Warriors have to figure out. If they're all just going to be role players, then why wouldn't you put them in deals to try and bring back better than that attached to some of the other veterans it's a tricky calculus, Greg, but I think that is what the Warriors have to manage here because the one thing you don't want to do is end up with, you know, we're going to hang on to Kaminga and we're going to hang on to Moody and we're going to hang on to Pajemski and none of them are, none of them are ever all-stars and, you know, or, and, or superstars. And then, and that's great. You can like them all. But if the rest of your team isn't good enough to have them function as role players and you don't project them becoming all-stars or superstars, then at that point, don't you have to look to maybe move on from them and try and get an infusion of other players in, even though you'd like... But you have to make that decision before you let it play out too far. Uh-huh. Otherwise, their exactly. value isn't worth... So it, it's a it, it's a conundrum. Uh, but it, it's, it's, I think, a big part of what Mike Dunleavy Jr. is going to have to evaluate here in these next 15, 20 games, and many of them, if not all of them, without Draymond Green. Now you took the words right out of my mouth that 15 to 20 games is way shorter than what you can evaluate of what Moody, Kaminga, and Pajemski could be for your franchise. But 15 to 20 games is going to tell us a lot about the urgency levels of this franchise and we might have teetered over that breaking point line in the next 15 to 20 games. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. I think it's possible. And I think the other part is like, let's say you don't like, I'll just ask you because I have an answer on this. And and this is the kind of thing that can get you in trouble down the line. But do you think right now that Kaminga Moody or Pajemski, either of the three are going to be superstars? I think they could be all stars. I, I think superstars. That's, Probably not because that's such a rare thing in the NBA. Yeah, I, I, I think at this point, I mean, I could see, I could see Pajemski being an All Star down the yeah. line. I, I think I don't, I don't see Moody being an All Star. I, I, and Moody's probably the one among the, th- Moody's probably the one among the three that I like the most, to be honest. But I don't see him being an All Star or a superstar. I think Kaminga could probably. I mean, I think Kaminga definitely could be an All Star. I, I don't I don't know about a superstar. I mean, I, I I would have said a year ago even maybe a superstar. I think the more we see him, the more all star might be his cap. But I don't wanna I don't wanna totally say that because I, I do think he has you know room to grow uh and you know continue to grow. But but so I you know, it, it I think those answers make it a little more difficult uh, to to evaluate 
uh, you know, what to do if, if you're the Warriors. Because let's say you do believe Kaminga can be a superstar in 2026. Well, where's Steph Curry at that point? And where's and and it, and is Kaminga Moody and Pajemski going to be? If let's say Kaminga's a superstar, is Kaminga Moody and Pajemski three years from now going to be? You know what? Even if Kaminga is a superstar, and the other two and and Pajemski's really good, and Moody's still steady. I mean, what is that at that point? Uh, you know that. And again, that's it's you got to tell me who the other ten players are. And, and how good they are to really have an idea. So the, they on their own are not going to be enough to where you feel great about the franchise. And that's even betting on the high end of a, of a guy like, like Kaminga. Is Kaminga going to be able to be an all-star with Steph still being a superstar? Probably not, right? Yeah, probably not looking like it'd be tough. Looking like it'd be tough right now. Probably not. And, and again, that's no, that's, that's really no shade of Kaminga who still, you know, if Draymond's going to be around, are you playing? Are you, you know, Kaminga's not a three. And, and I keep thinking the, like the Warriors do not think of Kaminga as a three. They think of Kaminga as a four. If you look at the lineups where Kaminga's out there, he's always out there with, you know, Moody and Clay and Pajemski and, you know, or Moody and Clay and Steph or, uh, you know, another three. Uh, you know, Pajemski's out there with Chris Paul and Clay or, you know, usually a point guard, Pajemski and, and, and a guard that moves up to play the three or what. Again, he's the four basically in all yeah. of these lineups. Sarich is playing with him or Draymond's playing with him or Kavon Looney's playing with him, like is the case in the start. I mean, look at the starting lineup that they used. Steph. Pajemski at the two clay shifts up to play the three Kaminga's at the four Kevon Looney's playing the playing the five. So if Draymond's going to be around, then like, are they going to play a center because everybody thinks they need size? Are they going to play a center and Draymond and Kaminga at the three? Like, there's just no way they're going to do that. So, it, you know, I think a lot of times fans think of it as, well, Kaminga's going to take Wiggins spot and he's already better. Damn it. Well, he doesn't even really play the same position. Uh, although, although Wiggins does play some four, uh, obviously when the Warriors do go small, but when they play the same position, it's Wiggins playing the four, not coming up playing the three. Yeah. And I've said many times this year that a good Andrew Wiggins is for sure a better player than Jonathan Kaminga. And the issue is that the good Andrew Wiggins has shown up two to three times this year. Exactly. Exactly. Like, a, like an alarmingly low number. Okay. Hey. Yeah, and and unfortunately yeah. for the Warriors, they they lost the game where he went for thirty against OKC, and then they lost the game where Clay had his best game of the year to the Clippers because they couldn't defend. And so again, these are all things that that we'll continue to get into uh, over the course of the season here on the Just Dubs podcast and the Just Dubs radio show, which is going to be each and every Saturday on KMBR, the Sports Leader, uh, it, uh, in the morning. Uh, and again, multi-platform, we're going to be streaming it. We're going to be podcasting it. We're going to be taking phone calls at, at 808KMBR. Uh, couldn't be more thrilled. And uh, so a lot of these different things as we start looking at uh, the Warriors and they move forward. And, and look, it can all change with one eight-game winning streak or 10 out of 13 or you know whatever it is. But And the schedule does but get this easier. this is the conversation we got to have right now. 
But to set the table for everything, I mean, there does need to be a reality check because the things that have gone, it's not fine. It's not nothing and it's not fine. And so the Warriors are going to have to find their way through it. I do think they're going to have a ton of home games coming up, uh, a, a ton of them. Uh, in in the end of December and the first half of January, and again probably without Draymond for for a good majority of that, and then beyond that, it's going to be let the chips fall where they may, and let's see where they are. So uh, all in all, good start to the Just Dubs era. Uh, great stuff, Greg. Appreciate it, man, and appreciate all the work you're yeah, doing behind the you, scenes man. on the other yeah, show. I'm absolutely. really really excited about this opportunity to be to be working with you and, and doing this thing oh it means a lot from uh someone who's been a bay area radio legend and now i get to share a lot of work with and uh look we let's be honest we've had a crazy couple of weeks but i'm really thrilled with the way that we've gotten things up and building and uh even just getting this podcast up before the show officially gets going for just dubs on saturday mornings uh, I, I really can't Thank you enough, and you know, big thank you to Adam Copeland too, and uh, everyone who's been just making all this stuff happen. And I mean, look, the Warriors—it's messy right now, but the fact that we get to ramp up this coverage and have these conversations—it's like I said at the beginning of the show—it is quite the chapter in Golden State Warriors history, without a doubt. So for Greg Silver, uh, I'm John Dickinson. Appreciate the help of Adam Copeland, as as you mentioned, uh, Mari. Uh, among the digital uh, folks has just been tremendous along with Jake Montero, along with Michael Connell, uh, a lot of really, really good people that are, that are helping us do this uh, at KNBR, the sports leader. So really appreciate it. One episode in the books. Uh, we'll crank out another one uh, at some point next week. The schedule's going to get busy. We're going to have to figure out time to do it. Uh, Warriors games coming fast and furious. They're going to play Brooklyn. They're going to play Portland. I'm going to Arizona for the Niners uh, on Sunday and then going to be, yeah, how about this one? I'm going to be doing... Well, I, I maybe I shouldn't say where I'm going to be doing Dubs OT on Sunday, actually. They might kick me out. They might kick yeah, me out. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're going to leave that a secret. I may or may not be doing Dubs OT from State Farm Stadium in, uh, in Glendale, Arizona. Home of multiple Super Bowls and the Final Four and the uh, National Championship game in college football and... Dubs OT on KNBR, the sports leader. All the big events come to State Farm Stadium in uh, in Glendale, Arizona. So for Greg, I'm JD. We'll talk to you next week. KNBR, the sports leader. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.